Welcome to A Brief Chat. I'm Jason Crane. This is episode 207 for October 1st, 2021. Welcome to October. Today's guest is Trina Hawks, who lives on a sailboat. More about that in a minute. It has been a, uh, a nonstop period of van difficulties up here in Vermont. Uh, I got my front wheel fixed on the driver's side and made it about a half an hour from the garage until the front wheel on the passenger side started shaking violently. And uh, Look, let's just say I consider it a sign of my personal growth that I didn't leave the van on the side of the road and run screaming into the forest. But I am uh, still waiting around for another garage appointment here in this town of 700 people to get uh, the van fixed yet again. Uh, And we pretty much used up all my money for the first fix. Uh, Some real angels came out of the woodwork unasked to donate some money toward the second fix. We'll see how much it ends up costing. Uh, But that was amazing, and it, it constantly surprises me how many incredible people there are in my life. So thank you. Speaking of incredible people, got a bunch of new members to the Patreon, the World of Jason Crane Patreon. Thanks to Carrie, Rome, Violet, Trina. Yes, that's today's guest. Diana, Nicholas, and Tim. Thank you all so much for joining. My goal with the Patreon is to get it to $1,000 a month, because if I can get there, then that can fund my van life travels and will allow me to live a life where I create things and people pay for them. And that's the exchange I would most like to have given the system that we live in. So I'm at $317 a month right now on the way to a thousand. And last time I recorded one of these intros, I was at 250. So made a nice little jump since then. It's very exciting. And you can become a member and get Bonus material for the podcast, plus essays from my van life travels and photos and videos and all kinds of stuff. Just go to patreon.com slash worldofjc to become a member. That's patreon.com slash worldofjc. JC, obviously my initials, Jason Crane. So one of the cool things about moving into the van is that all these people came into my life who also have kind of cool other ways to live. And whether that's people who live in vans or people who live on interesting homesteads or whatever it may be, uh, folks who are, you know, walking constantly and camping, there's all kinds of ways to live your life besides, you know, the more kind of conventional ways. One of the ways that has always appealed to me is the idea of living on a boat of some sort. I think, given my experience so far with the van, I don't know if I'm up to the task of living on a vehicle that can not only break but also sink. <laughs> But uh, to find out what being up to the task requires, I reached out to my pal Trina, uh, who does live on a boat, and is finding out what it requires. And so, here's that interview. Trina Hawks, welcome to A Brief Chat. Hi, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. You and I know each other from uh, Instagram. I post there about my van travels, and we got connected somehow through that. And then you went and did a thing that now I am envious of because I've always wanted to do, which is rather than moving into a vehicle that travels on the land, you moved into a vehicle that travels on the water and it just looks so amazing. So I guess let's just start at the beginning. What made you want to move onto a boat? Well, yeah, you're right. I actually did, uh, 
we did connect on Instagram. I followed you because you lived in a van, which was what I wanted to do initially. So some leapfrog. Uh, I was following you to see what it was like living on the road. Um, could it be done? How did you make your money? You know, what was your experience like? What challenges did you face? Um, you weren't doing it with a newborn. Uh, so you're a little bit lucky in that regard. Doing it with a newborn adds a whole level of difficulty. Um, but so, yeah, I, we were going to move into a van or an RV or a truck with a camper or some kind of land moving vehicle. Uh, but ultimately, Europe is the is the dream destination, especially the Mediterranean. I have like such a fetish for the Mediterranean that I've had for years. And um, I said one day, what about a houseboat? Which is kind of stupid because you can't cross an ocean in a houseboat. But that goes to show you exactly how much I know about boats. I knew nothing at all. I didn't know anything about the water, boats, anything. Um, and my husband was like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. All right, fine. Uh, so I stewed on it kind of for a couple of months. And then I was like, oh, my God, a sailboat. What about a sailboat? And I was very pregnant when I had this idea. This was this year in 2021, it was January. And I didn't want to walk down to the basement to ask him because I thought I would fall and die on the stairs. So I texted him and I said, what about a sailboat? And I like had this whole spiel ready. I was going to like tell him, okay, so we can be self-sufficient. We can go to Europe. We can get fish. We can do this. We can do that. And I was like halfway through typing the second text and he like showed up in the room and he was like, that's perfect. We're going to do it. I was like, oh my God. Wow. I wasn't expecting that because I thought he hated boats. And he was like, I don't hate boats. I just don't want to have boats. And I was like, wow, who knew? Um, so yeah, that's how we decided on a boat. Um, and then we had to do some research. I had to do some research because he couldn't even think of the idea because it made him so like antsy because he hates land life, it turns out, but he just didn't know that, that that's what he hated. Um, he thought he was just miserable. <laughs> yeah, so, I, know what that's uh, like. I did a bunch of research. Yeah. <laughs> when He was like existentially bored every single day. Like we moved to Philadelphia from Fort Myers and... I'm thinking like, oh my God, he's going to love it. He's going to be so much happier. There's tons of stuff to do. Of course, it didn't help that we moved there in February. And then a month later was a countrywide shutdown because of coronavirus. Uh, but yeah, existential boredom. And that's totally fixed now being on a boat. So it was a good, good decision. You alluded to this and uh, just to make sure that everybody caught it. So you moved onto this boat with your husband. And as you you mentioned, you were pregnant when you made the decision. Now this baby has come into the world. And so it's you and your husband and a, a very newborn child on the boat with you. And a cat. And Right. And a cat, which, if anything, maybe is even more problematic than a newborn child on a boat. I don't know. Well, we'll find he- out. The cat wasn't problematic at first, but, you know, we've been going to clean her litter box for the last few days, and we're not finding anything. So there is a bit of a game afoot. We've been, like, walking around the boat today sniffing in, like, all the compartments because I don't know if you know this, but in boats, everything is in, like, little compartments in the floor and little compartments in the wall. Like, the floor lifts up everywhere. The benches lift up. That's, like, where your storage is. So now we have to go play, like, sniff the boat and find out why there's nothing in the litter box wow Um, yeah but the baby was much easier in the beginning we moved on to the boat when he was three weeks old and all he did was like sleep and eat and sleep and eat and we kept saying wow we're so lucky what a wonderful baby we have oh my god well this past month he's uh gained quite a bit of energy and oh my god all he does is 
yell. He wants to learn to talk, but he wants, he wants to do it very loudly. He screams all day, babbling, talking. Um, he doesn't like it when we anchor because we have to yell to each other. Like I'm driving at the helm and Connor's dropping the anchor in at the front of the boat and we have to yell. And so he's screaming and anchoring is already very stressful. So it adds like another layer to that. It's very fun. Afterwards, you're like shaking and sweating. Um, yeah. <laughs> So you're not the first person that I know of to live on a boat with their spouse and a newborn baby, uh, because I had I follow and was a uh, for a long time a Patreon supporter of a couple that does exactly that same thing. But I didn't see them from the beginning. I only got on when they were already very popular and had a gazillion YouTube views and all of that kind of thing. So they were very well established in the routine. I mean, even when the newborn came along, they had already lived on the boat for a long time. And, you know, it felt like a very well-oiled machine. And obviously, adding a baby to your life, whether you live on land or sea, it it throws in a lot of complications. But if your life is already pretty well on track, I feel like it's it might be a little easier to roll with those punches. So in your case, I'm watching it from the very beginning where not only are you uh, this isn't your first child so you're you're not learning how to be a parent but uh, but you are taking care of a newborn child as you're also really learning an entirely new set of skills i mean unlike living in a van which you know i had of course driven before i moved into a van you're having to <laughs> even if you had sailed before i don't think it's probably the same thing as living full time on a sailboat so i I'm just curious about the incredibly steep learning curve you must be going through. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny. I joined this Facebook group called Live Aboard Lifestyle, where people talk about, like, their challenges living aboard or, like, uh, if they want to live aboard, you know, what's it like? And I see posts, like, every other day that are like, oh, hey, I've been sailing for 10 years and I'm thinking about moving on to my boat, but it's a big change, you know. <laughs> tell me tell me what I should know. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, just move on to your boat. Just do it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the learning curve was steep. For the first month that we were on, okay, so first of all, we didn't want to buy a boat in Florida. That was what we decided. When we went boat shopping, we said we're not going to buy a boat in Florida. It's the summer. We don't want to ever go back to Florida. We're from, we weren't fond. Um, so naturally, we ended up buying this freaking boat in Miami. Of course. And moved on to it in the middle of the summer. It was like 104 degrees or something. Uh, no air conditioner. And the boat was in worse. Okay. So it was in worse condition than we thought it was, but only slightly. But because of everything we didn't know, the first like two weeks on the boat, we thought it was in, we were like, the electric doesn't work. We, we didn't know how to use it. The stove doesn't work. We didn't know how to use it. Uh, you know, all these things don't work. We just had no idea. The engine doesn't work. We didn't know what we were doing. Um, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. We thought we got duped kind of, but our spirits never got down. Let's see. Oh, our first night on the boat, another boat's anchor dragged. And Connor was out on the deck in the middle of the storm, and he yells to me, hey, I think this boat's getting kind of close. And I look out the door, and there's this huge sailboat, like a foot from our boat, drifting right into it. I was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? So he's, like, trying to push his boat away in a storm. He had to jump in the water, uh, and we're anchored. We were moored, which I didn't know the difference at the time, and I only barely do now. Um in Key Biscayne and he had to jump in the water which like okay you accept that risk when you're going to live on the boat but you hope it never happens 
and you hope it really doesn't happen on the first night, but it did. Um, jump in the water and like untangle their lines from our anchor line. And it was like a whole big thing. And four other liveaboards from the area had to come and help on their dinghy. And they took three dinghies and towed this other boat away and like re-anchored it because the guy whose boat it was wasn't on the boat. Um, so it's been a learning curve for sure. And it's just, we've been learning like trial and error, like one mistake after the next. We fouled our own propeller, leaving a rope hanging off the side of the boat. Uh, that'll really make you feel stupid. Um, Fouled meaning you got the rope caught in the propeller? Yeah, I'm like, like driving the boat and suddenly I feel like the left engine, because we have two, because it's a catamaran. I feel like the left engine is like underpowered. I'm like, what's going on? And then I hear a weird noise, like thump, 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 thump. So I look back and there's this rope that's connected to the cleat, which is like where you tie a rope to on the boat, like this metal thing. And it's just twisting so fast and it's pulled so taut. Like it looks like at any minute it could just tear the cleat off. I'm like, Oh my God. So I have to put the engine in neutral and you know, I'm scared of all the tension that it's putting on the propeller. So we're like, slice the rope, slice the rope. So we cut it. And then of course, again to get the rope untangled from the propeller. So he's had to go swimming a couple of times. One time he didn't have to go swimming. He just fell off. (laughs) But um, yeah, (laughs) it's been a lot of fun. So for those of us, and I include myself among this uh, crew who can't really picture what your boat is like, can you, can you paint some kind of visual picture? Like when you said it has two engines because it's a catamaran, you could have said it has two engines because it's a banana and that would have been as useful a descriptor for many people. So, so kind of give us some idea of what we're talking about here. So a banana is actually a good thing to bring up because a catamaran looks like two bananas next to each other. So it's like two sailboats kind of next to each other is what it looks like. And then there's something called the bridge deck in the middle, which is like a deck outside and it bridges the two holes. So whereas a sailboat has one hole and the bow is the front and the stern is the back, the catamaran has two holes. So it has two bows, kind of two little points at the front. And then um, in the middle of that, you have the bridge deck. And then so moving from forward to backwards, you have, the bow with the jib sail, which is your your front sail or your foresail, um, and then you have the cabin, which our cabin has one bathroom, and it's called a head. But I don't I don't use those terms because uh, I was in the Marine Corps for four years and I'm not anymore, so I can call it whatever the fuck I want. It's a bathroom, <laughs> and we have one, two, three bedrooms, but two of the bedrooms have. Uh, full-size beds and one of the bedrooms has a single bed and we have a kitchen also known as a galley and then we have a living room also known as a salon Um, but the living room converts if you want it to a bedroom as well so we kind of have four bedrooms I guess Um, and then out back you have a deck I call it the porch (laughs) which is just a deck Um, and then at the back of the boat at the stern we have two like metal bars sticking off the back. They're called davits and you're supposed to use them to hoist your dinghy up. Although we've yet to figure out the correct method of use for them. So we're towing our dinghy behind us. (laughs) Well, first of all, uh, we don't know each other super well, but we, we know each other well enough for me to a not be surprised at all by your rejection of the common terms for the parts of your boat. And also (laughs) 
we know each other well enough to know we have the same sense of humor. And for me, rejecting the accepted names of the parts of the boat would be one of the more fun parts of living on a boat so that when <laughs> I talk to other sailors, I could drive them insane by constantly calling things by, for example, their land names or just, word, you know, the cook room words I just made up for you know the standy yeah. bit for the deck, you know, whatever you whatever you want to call it. I will correct. Sometimes I'll say the porthole and then I'm like, fuck the window, the window, <laughs> the window. I'll be like, open the hatch. I mean, the door, the That's door. Right. I'm not being assimilated. <laughs> damn it. I'm going to call it what the hell I want to call it. You won't do it. I'll be like, look at our backyard. Our backyard is a mess right now. So, yeah. so I hated that. It's a bulkhead. It's a wall. Okay. A yeah. Wall. Yeah. But you can't, you can't feel superior if you don't call things by their special names. That's the. Oh, that's what it's all about, right? Like, exactly. Oh, I'm so cool. Yeah, yeah. good for you. It's a fucking wall. So you mentioned the idea of self-sufficiency toward the beginning of this interview, and I have seen you fishing. I have also seen uh, what appears to be Connor in a dinghy heading toward land on the grocery run. So I'm curious... Uh, uh, at this point in the boat journey, and uh, we'll we'll mention the actual journey part too. But at this point in the journey, uh, how close or far from that idea of self sufficiency have you been able to get? So there are two main things in our way. Um, we have electricity with our solar panels. Uh, we have quite a bit. I didn't know that um, we have one 185 watt solar panel hooked up. And it charges our laptop, charges our phones, charges the speaker, charges the light, like charges everything with room to spare. I think we'll even run our refrigerator off it once we get the correct inverter. Um, but right now we don't have a fridge. So the two things standing in our way is one, we don't have a reverse osmosis system. So we have to go to like marinas and docks and fill up our water tanks. So that's kind of annoying. I would love to have an RO system. And two, we are shit fishermen. We are terrible. We suck. We haven't caught, listen, the best fish we caught, we caught yesterday and we threw it back because we didn't know. <laughs> I did see you holding up what looked like a pretty impressive fish yesterday. The catfish? The catfish? Yeah. Let me tell you something about that catfish. I'm about to out myself here. This is very funny. That catfish was floating down the river. <laughs> So I asked Connor to please go catch the catfish so that we could chop it up and use it as bait to catch other fish. And it worked. Yesterday we caught what's known as a ribbon fish, which is a terrifying looking fish. Uh, it doesn't have scales. It looks like an eel. We thought it was an eel. And it has huge teeth. It looks like something out of river monsters. And it, it was like skinny. It's like a foot and a half long maybe, but it was like skinny. And Connor's like, there's no meat on that. And like threw it back. So later on, I'm like, I'm curious what that was. So I Google it and it's like, oh, ribbon fish are the six caught fish in the world. They're delicacies all over Asia. They're delicious. They, they're supposed to taste like grouper. I was like, fuck, really? Yeah. <laughs> I threw it back because it was scary and skinny. And like, it turns out it was delicious. Well, live and learn. Uh, so the almost self-sufficient but need to be better fisher people need an ro system yeah so the ro system will allow you to turn salt water into drinkable water is that the idea yeah salt water or like lake water like we we were planning on anchoring in the delaware which we've changed our minds since then but you know that water is not it's supposed to be like kind of polluted obviously it's like industrial river but the ro system would even filter that out so we wouldn't ever have. We would never have to go to land, really, as long as we could manage to fish. And, That'll happen. 
you have been traveling since you purchased this boat um, in Florida. You, In fact, you've kind of been traveling through my past in reverse chronological order, which has been interesting to me because you've been going <laughs> going to a lot of places I lived because I lived along the east coast of the southeast coast of the United States at various times. And um, so where where are you now ish? You don't have to give your specific location, but where generally speaking, are you these days? Right now, we are a thousand yards from North Carolina. We're south of it in South Carolina. <laughs> and you know my specific location. Let me read you my GPS coordinates. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, I went to boot camp in South Carolina and MCT in North Carolina. And then I was stationed in North Carolina. And I have no love for the Carolinas or the coast of Carolina. Um, I'm looking forward to being past this and in the Virginia. Uh, I also had no love for Florida or Georgia. It was hot. There were mosquitoes. Um, but we're probably about three weeks out from uh, making it to Norfolk, Virginia, which is where we'll be spending um, the winter. And then if we can make enough money, we plan to go to the Bahamas in January or February um, and then go back to Norfolk. And then as the season gets warmer, maybe travel even further up the East Coast. Why are you still in the Carolinas if you don't particularly like them? Like, what is what is stopping you from just going immediately to Virginia? Is there is there some practical consideration that causes you to not be able to travel? <laughs> we travel every day. It's just that we only go about ten or twenty miles. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're not just you're not stationed in one stationary in one place for a while. You're just slowly inching your way up the coast. Yeah, we move at a snail's pace. We could have been, I mean, it takes probably two weeks to get from Key Biscayne to Norfolk, Virginia, if not even less, if you're like going and sailing on what we call the outside, which means the ocean, but we're not right now because our boat is not fully equipped. We're not comfortable with that. We don't have the life raft that we want. We don't have a depth sounder. So like, we don't know if there's a reef or anything ahead of us and you can't really anchor uh, in the ocean, you have to come inside to an inlet and then get into a river and anchor. And so far, a lot of the anchorages have been like so far away that we would have to be sailing at night. And we also don't have the type of lights that we need to safely sail at night. So what we're doing is we're traveling up what's called the Intracoastal Waterway, the ICW, affectionately known as the Ditch by boaters and sailors. And you can see why, because it's absolutely hideous. Um, we did go sailing in the Atlantic a couple of days and oh my god I was giddy the whole day I loved it I've done nothing but bitch since we've had to be in the ICW I am the more dangerous liver of the two of us Connor is much more uh, of sound judgment than I am so he'll get frustrated with me I'm like why can't we go on the outside why can't we go in the ocean and he's like Jesus because it's storm season on our boat and blah 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 and I'm like I know those are good reasons I'm just miserable <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're moving out of snail space. We can't sail because it's too narrow. So we have to use our motors, which is costing us an arm and a leg in diesel. And of course, they break every day. So like every day, just about, we go to start our engines and one or the other of them will not start. And we have to consult the Oracle, as I call it, which is Nigel, Nigel Calder's book, Marine Diesel Engines. Uh, which are like absolute Bibles. They've helped us every single time. We've not had to see a mechanic. We've not had to call a mechanic. We've not had to enlist the help of anyone else. We literally can just consult his book and boom, we're moving again. It might take a couple hours, but it works. 
So, uh, yeah, that's, that's why, because everything breaks and we can't fail. <laughs> and I, I mean this with all the love in my heart, but it, it feels like there's a fair step to take between what you just described and we're going to cross one of the largest bodies of water on the planet and arrive in the Mediterranean. I f- it feels like there's probably a couple things to knock out between now and then to, to be able yeah. to make that, that journey, right? Yeah. So like I said before, the RO system is important because catamarans are very weighed down by water. So filling up our water tanks is not conducive to moving fast. Um, so it'll be nice to have an RO system so we can keep those empty and travel light. And then we do need a depth sounder. We need an autopilot so that we can sleep through the night. We need some navigation lights. Uh, but most importantly, we need some experience sailing. So yeah, about $8,000 worth of equipment and maybe 800 hours worth of experience and then we'll be able to cross but i will say we're going uh with what's called a rally which is kind of like a convoy of boats that go and people sign up for what's called the arc the atlantic rally cruise or something i don't know that's probably not it but it's close uh and you pay like some amount of money into it and you get to travel with these this group of people with experienced sailors, they put a GPS system on your boat so your family can check in on you. They have their own meteorologists, like as part of their group that helps uh, keep an eye on the weather and like helps you avoid systems that might form, you know, because that's a three week crossing. You can't just look at the weather and go, Oh, it's clear for three weeks and head out because you don't fucking know anything could happen. Um, so we won't be totally alone. We will be with other boats. Um, we will have other experienced sailors with us. And uh, we were thinking of enlisting the help of one of Connor's friends, maybe like having him come with us. Not so much to help with sailing because he doesn't know his ass from his elbow when it comes to boats, but to actually help with the baby so that I can help with sailing. <laughs> well, I hope um, when he listens to this episode, he'll see just how valued a crew member <laughs> he, he is <laughs> that's yeah. fabulous thank you uncle joe for your future right. child exactly okay. uncle joe. we don't trust you with the boat we, we trust you. you with this human life <laughs> i mean okay he'll he'll be the first person to tell you that he blew up his own engine just not bothering to like do very simple things <laughs> so yeah probably not someone you want touching the mechanical equipment but he's great with kids <laughs> i mean i'm interviewing They're you hard. In a broken down van. And while that is a source of stress, one thing about it that is not stressful is I don't think at any point during the evening that my van might sink into the earth below it, for example, or be swept away by a a strong breeze. I mean, there's just stuff I don't have to worry about living in a van. Like, of course, either of those things could happen. It's just extremely unlikely. And as I listen to you talk, I think, I don't know if I'd... Like, I thought it was a pretty gutsy move to move into a van. It feels like an order of magnitude <laughs> gutsier than that to move onto a boat. It just, I watched video, you know, I've watched a lot of hours of videos of people doing exactly what you're doing. But as I said, much further into their journey when they just made it seem incredibly <laughs> easy. And to try to do it in the beginning when you're figuring out what to do, but you already live on the boat. Like, that that's the thing. It's not like we're... Yeah, so we spent, you know, two years learning how to sail and we did all these things. And then when we were ready, we no, we're already here. We're already moving. <laughs> and then we're just learning as we go. It just it's 
I will tell you, I am having an anxious reaction just to your stories. <laughs> you sound totally laid back, which is obviously, if one of us is going to be anxious about it, it's better that it's me because I'm not there. <laughs> <laughs> but just listening to you talk about it, I'm like, oh my holy God, I don't know how she's doing this because it sounds yeah. honestly terrifying to me. Well, I've always said that I have I have a chronic nonchalance, nonchalance <laughs> like it's a disease, like it's a real problem for me. Like I'm so laid back that I'm so grateful for Connor because when we first moved on the boat, Connor was like, we need anchors. We need this. We need that. And I was like, ah, they have anchors. And he's like, no, that's not the right size according to the book. And I'm like, ah, well, I hold the boat, you know, like I could not be trusted to do this alone. Thank God I have Connor. He's basically like my guardian angel. Um, but the other thing is like, insure your fucking boat. I mean, the boat's insured, you know, we bought the boat when it was totally depreciated. So with boats that 10 years after they're made, they're totally depreciated. So it's insured for how much we paid for it. If the boat sinks, God forbid, we have a dinghy. We all load up into the dinghy. We watch it sink and we call the insurance company and say, give us our money back. We're going to buy a van. And that's it. <laughs> so, I mean, we let go of all of our belongings really to move on to the boat because, oh, geez, listen to this. We moved down here in our forerunner, okay? We drove from Philly to Key Biscayne where we purchased the boat in our forerunner, literally in the parking lot of the Anchorage. In the parking lot of the Anchorage, as we arrived, our brake lines broke and bled out. Like the truck made it literally to the boat and that was it. That was the end. Boom. It died. So I, I like to think we're the luckiest people in the world. But if you look at it kind of another way, we might be very unlucky. Uh, but we're grateful, so we don't look at it that way. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's insured. If it sinks, we'll all be safe. Milo has a life vest. I'm a great swimmer. We're not on the ocean because we don't have the life raft that we want. Um, it would be a great TikTok, probably. <laughs> yes, exactly. The as If there had been TikTok on the Titanic, those accounts would have blown up <laughs> right before it was too late. Oh, my Lord. Well, look... Um, uh, just uh, because I'm trying to keep these podcasts to about half an hour, I'm going to draw this to a close. I, honestly, if it were solely up to me, this would be like a 10 hour episode of this show. I also do know that you were able to, at the last second, get Milo to sleep. Uh, and that at any moment, this conversation could be ended in any case uh, by him. Emerging oh, he's, from he's already starting. He's oh, is already. he? Okay, perfect. This is a great time to draw to a close. So I want you to come back. Uh, probably regularly, if I'm being honest, and kind of update us on your adventures because I think it would be awesome. Uh, but folks don't have to wait for me to talk to you to get updates. Will you just tell people where to find you online? So I can be found on Instagram or on TikTok at uh, Trinautica, T-R-I-N-A-U-T-I-C-A, I think. I didn't write that down and look at it, so I hope that's right. Um, also, if you go to Linktree, uh, linktr.ee slash Trinautica, I have a blog called Archive Trinautica. And up there right now, I, I only have my first post up because that's actually how chaotic this journey has been. I thought I would have all the time in the world to blog, but I don't. But um, I have more posts coming soon. Um, and they are, they go into much more detail about boat life and everything that's gone wrong for anybody who likes to read, uh, about a series of unfortunate events, not the fiction version. Um, so yeah, Trinautica, it can be found pretty much anywhere out at Trinautica. 
Fabulous. And uh, links to all of that stuff will be in the show notes of this episode. So if you're driving while listening or sailing or, I don't know, falling out of an airplane or whatever, uh, when you get to <laughs> the ground slash shore slash stop, you can uh, go to the show notes and find all of those links. Uh, Trina, I love following your adventures. I'm glad we ended up crossing paths online. And I do hope you'll come back because I feel like you're going to be an endless wealth of great anecdotes as you continue awesome, your journey. Awesome, I would love to. Thanks so much for yeah, being here. Make mistakes every day. Thank you so much for having me and listening to me.